0: Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the Hunt, Fish, Eat podcast. Tonight, I get to sit down with a really good friend of mine, Edgar Castiello. Edgar has been hunting for quite a long time, and um, he really embodies the R3 movement. Um, I've seen Edgar take more people than I can count hunting for the first time, or um, reactivating people that haven't hunted in a long time. He's extremely patient. Um, He loves to upland bird hunt, and he loves to get people into the outdoors hunting, so He's an excellent guy. Um, he's inspired me in many ways, um, to be a better mentor and to get more people out there. Um, he just does it effortlessly. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Edgar's extremely knowledgeable. He spends a ton of time in public land. He just recently retired, so I think he's going to be hunting even more, uh, which is crazy because he hunts quite a bit. He's a great guy. This is part one of uh, two episodes I got to do with Edgar, and I really hope you enjoy it. So tune in. Real quick, I want to talk about One of my sponsors, Walton's Inc. Walton's makes amazing equipment. You guys know I love them. They make grinders, slicers, mixers, uh, stuffers, all sorts of cool things. In addition to that, they also provide casings. They provide knives. They have cutting boards. They have aprons. They have spice mixes. They have cures. They have everything you need to butcher an animal from start to finish. So, Make sure you check out WaltonsInc.com. Um, they have amazing products. They also have the MeatGistics area, which is like a knowledge vault. I'll talk about it later in the episode, um, but make sure you check out WaltonsInc.com. Hope you enjoy the episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hunt, Fish, Eat podcast. I'm here with my buddy, Edgar. Edgar, how you doing, buddy?
1: Pretty good. How are you doing? Thanks, yeah. Dan, for having me on this.
0: Yeah, man. My pleasure. My pleasure. So it's it's kind of funny. I have, um I've talked to a bunch of our mutual friends and since I started the podcast and I've been trying to get you on it, but it's, it's hard for us both of us <laughs> to link up, man. So um, I'm glad we can finally sit down tonight.
1: Yeah, um, I'm glad too. Uh, like I said, uh, it's been tough just with our schedules, you know, work, mm-hmm. family and and obviously, the current situation, and plus it's upland, it's 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 bird season, it's bird season <laughs> so
0: we're we're out and about. So yeah, man. Absolutely. So you said here in a couple weeks you're going to Arizona, right?
1: Uh, in two weeks I'm gonna make the last weekend of their regular season, which gotcha. is like February seventh.
0: Gotcha. I was talking to Craig Boddington, and he's going out there to Arizona here in a couple weeks, so I might run into him. But um, yeah. So the reason I want to sit down with you is we hunted together. Three, four years ago, I think? Uh, five years ago. Five years ago. Okay. Out in Cheyenne Bottoms, mm-hmm. um, hunting pheasants and ducks. And I I kind of met you through Pheasants Forever and stuff. And um, you're an outdoor rider. You do a little bit of riding outdoors, right?
1: I am. I still consider myself a new outdoor rider. I've been doing it for two, two and a half years. Okay.
0: And, well, it's kind of interesting how you, um, I want to say, got noticed, but um, you have an Instagram Hunts birds? Yes. Right? So, And that grew rapidly when you started, right?
1: Uh, Exponentially, yes. It grew very quickly.
0: And so tell me the story about why you started – why did you get an Instagram? How did this all start, man? Uh,
1: Well, um, I'm a very private person because of what I do. I think most people know that um, uh, I'm in law enforcement um, and as a father of two young girls – um, one of them had approached me Wanted to get a, a smartphone Being a good parent uh, Parents um, There was some stipulations behind it We needed to know what they were going to be getting on to uh, And uh, Being young ladies They wanted uh, Pinterest and Instagram And uh, so we Allowed them to uh, To get it And uh, My wife knew what each of them was I, I didn't know I had heard of Pinterest. That was the only thing I knew. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, my oldest daughter, um, you know, she set up my phone. She said, you know, if I'm going to have to, uh, if I'm going to be following them to see what they're looking at and everything like that, I'm going to have to have an account. So they basically set up the account. They came up with the name. Um, they added the Z on there to make uh-huh. it different. And, um, it kind of just went dormant for several months. And then, uh, uh both of the girls said, Hey, uh, you need to get on here and you know there's a whole um realm uh a whole world of uh, hunting uh so I started kind of looking around and and um uh, being an um an avid upland bird hunter uh that's what I focused in on and I quickly learned that it was a uh, a small niche group mm-hmm. tight knit group and uh, you know I started uh, following people and uh, uh kind of like what I saw and I kind of got into the photography side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things both of the girls said that if I was going to do it, hunt birds Instagram, to do not to not follow what everyone else is doing. Mm-hmm. Nothing against tailgate photos of stacks of birds yep. on on uh, tailgates. There's nothing wrong with that. I we did it when I was growing up with my dad. Mm-hmm. But my daughter said, do something different you know, just stand out and be unique. And that Mm -hmm. just kind of stayed with me. And with that, I just started just kind of taking photos of me kind of pretty much on the go. A lot of it is Mm -hmm. just kind of snapping a a picture or two or as many as I can. And at the end of the day, you know, one or two may just come out out of 40 or 50 and, and um, it just started growing and I started getting a a little bit more um, followers and then started getting a little bit more noticed and, kind of just took off from there a lot of opportunities kind of opened up for me and i've mm-hmm. been grateful and, and appreciative
0: that's awesome yeah because when i met you um and no offense you don't seem like social media type i'm not <laughs> and uh it, it was kind of interesting to me because how active you were on there how popular you were on there and you do really good content and um i can vouch i think like i said the big difference between you and what other people do is um as explained, someone I said it's like the pictures you take are like you and I stand in the field, and I just look over and see what you're doing or what's going on. It makes me feel like I'm there, you know. And I'm um, a really good friend of mine is a phot- professional photographer in the outdoor space. He said the best, like the way you should take a picture, that mindset should be like capturing a moment or telling a story. And I think you do a really good job of that, Edgar. So,
1: well, I, I appreciate. It. Thanks for the compliment. And like, I, said, I don't have any photography background. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I took photos when i needed to because at work yeah um but uh, i have no training no experience no no education um in photography and i just kind of read articles that i could find online um and there's not a whole lot of information out there so i just kind of use what i found and um try to tell the story mm-hmm. and uh, like i said uh, i try to be unique you know i try to take pictures of things not normally taken and mm-hmm. uh, um I quickly found out I had a lot of um, comments or uh, messages from women saying um, that they enjoyed my content, and it was just it, it just wasn't dead animals or dead birds. Yep. you know um, that I was able to depict the beauty or the uniqueness behind just being out walking around, you know, yeah. chasing birds. And I just kind of took that to heart and, you know, and I, I just kind of been doing it ever since and I mm-hmm. continue doing that.
0: Well, and I will vouch to you, you know, a lot of your pictures are you on the go, you moving um, or pictures specifically of you, you know, walking and having hunted with you. That's how you hunt, man. Like I I don't think you stand still, like from when you get out of the truck, man, you're you're going. So.
1: Uh, yeah, it's, I, I have a tendency, I am known to uh, always be on the move and, mm-hmm. uh that's how I take my pictures sometimes. Like I said, sometimes it, they turn out, sometimes they don't. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. But, oh, it's a good time. How how tall are you, Edgar? 6'3. 6'3. Okay. Yeah. So you got a pretty good stride on me. So, um, but no, it's, uh, I, I like your style of hunting. And um, so how long have you been hunting?
1: I've been hunting since I was about eight, nine, 10 years old uh, when we first came here to the United States. Okay. Um, basically, we came here, my dad was not a hunter. Um, he did hunt a little bit in Central America. So, I was born in, in, in Guatemala in Central America. So he did a little bit of hunting, but not like what we do here. Mm-hmm. Uh, they We do have a little bit of turkey and deer there, mm-hmm. but uh, there, is, there are no conservation laws. There's no protection. So, mm-hmm. um, what little he did do, it didn't really transfer when he came here. Mm-hmm. And... The, the short version of it is we came here uh, to Kansas. Our neighbor um, was dabbling in his garage, working on some duck decoys. My dad mm-hmm. walked over and pretty much asked, what are you doing? Uh, our neighbor, Tom, told him, I'm getting ready to go on a duck hunt. A week later, my dad was out duck hunting. And mm-hmm. so Tom became my dad's mentor. Okay. Um, excuse me. In the outdoors, uh, specifically waterfowl. Um, so my dad became a duck hunter. Um, Tom was also an upland bird hunter. My dad, I'm not sure if he shot a deer or if someone or if Tom shot a deer, but he found out after eating it that he was allergic to venison. Oh man. So he stopped, beca- he stopped being a deer hunter <laughs> and focused on waterfowl and upland birds. Being a a young boy, a son, mm-hmm. following in his dad's footsteps, I mimicked what my dad did. And yeah. so I became a bird hunter. I would follow along with him and and hunt birds, you know, and um, he wasn't really good at it. He didn't bring home a whole lot, but uh, I did enjoy the time that mm-hmm. we spent together, um, just kind of traveling. And it, it's always been public land. You know, yeah. My dad never had... Access to private land. It was, you know, searching for you know the next public WMA that he could find, and yeah. we would go, you know, for a day or two, and it just kind of grew from there.
0: Gotcha. And you're also a hunter ed instructor here in Kansas, right? Yes. Okay. So, and when, when did you get certified? What was that?
1: uh maybe five, six years ago okay. when I started becoming active in in the local. Uh, pheasants forever, forever and quail forever chapter
0: gotcha yep and so and have you ever hunted deer or is that at all been a desire of yours no um
1: i would like i would i would like to i would like to elk hunt but i would enjoy it mm-hmm. and it would take me away from upland bird hunting yep and it keeps it simple mm-hmm. um as a Passionate bird hunter. I've gone to Wyoming to hunt sage grouse, mm-hmm. Arizona for desert quail, woodcock in southern Missouri, all across Kansas, mm-hmm. Nebraska, Iowa. So the diversity in, in upland birds keeps me uh, changing things up. Yeah, uh, and that's that's fine with me. I, I dabble in turkey hunting. I've, I've not shot a turkey. I, I turkey hunted for six years, but <laughs> that's going to yeah. come one day. Yeah. And, and I and I duck hunt. So that keeps me pretty occupied and well rounded. Yeah. And if I if I was to venture into big game hunting, um I don't know. I yeah. I I know I would like and I would dive, you know, right in. Yeah. And uh, just keeps it simple.
0: Yeah, I I got a buddy who he's an avid bird hunter too, and um he said when he was a kid lived in Nebraska and is, I don't know how the story went, but he'd always draw this really nice buck tag or something. Somehow he'd got this really kind of choice tag. And so his dad make him go. And he said he'd shoot the first legal animal he could. So he'd get down and go bird hunt. Cause he's like, you don't want to sit in a tree all day long looking for deer. Yeah. Um, and so I, it's kind of like what I get from you, man. You, uh, you'd rather really be chasing birds and do anything else. I, I,
1: I would. I've been, I've been offered to, to go on elk hunting trips. Um, and I have agreed to go to help out, mm-hmm. um, set up camp glass, but I would definitely bring my shotgun and yep. then, you know, yeah. take, a, take a shot or two <laughs> at some spruce or, or yeah. dusky grouse if they, uh, happen to show themselves. So yeah. I don't know, I wouldn't want to, you know, mess up a, you know, a big game elk hunt uh, uh-huh. at me, uh, uh. Taking a shot at some uh, birds for for dinner that night, but
0: uh, yeah, it sounds like uh, they think you're there to help them elk hunt, but really you're there just they're they're along to help you uh, chase some grouse. Yeah,
1: if I could, if I could factor in bird hunting, I'm going to do it.
0: Gotcha, I I like that. That's pretty good. So, um, so kind of kind of talking about you a little bit here. So you like to hunt only on public land, pretty much. I know you probably hunted on private before.
1: Um, I have, but it's been very. uh, I haven't hunted a whole lot. Mm-hmm. In fact, this year, I've hunted more private land than I have probably in the last 10 years. Really? And I've hunted private land this year three times, or okay. th- this season three mm-hmm. times. Yep. And that's been on a goose hunt.
0: Gotcha. Okay. On, on an invite. So, do you say? Do you think you hunt upland birds more or waterfowl more? Oh, upland birds. By far. Okay. And so, um, no, I think part of that lends itself to using public land um, because – Really, to get birds, you need a lot of room. You need a lot of room to move around. Um, you need good habitat, but it's not like you have to be in one spot where they're all going to come in like with waterfowl, right? Correct. Um, and so what's what's your favorite upland bird hunt?
1: It was scale quail and prey chicken. Okay. Uh, if you uh, recall the logo of hunt bird, it, it is a scale quail. Uh-huh. This past year or two, um, it is – Transitioned pretty quickly to woodcock, and oh, that is okay. because of an invite I got from um, my good friend Dave Mayers down in southern Missouri. A retired mm-hmm. biologist invited uh, me to go down there and chase woodcock on public ground. And since last year, that has become my favorite bird.
0: There so, you go. Okay. Well, that's that's interesting. So, what do you like about woodcock more than other stuff? I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's
1: it's it definitely is tough in its own sense, you know, it's, um, at least Southern Missouri, um, mm-hmm. it could be uh, pretty gnarly, you know, there's thorns, you're busting through brush, but it, it's, it's it's kind of like a dove, hunt, you know, in dove hunting, you don't have to be quiet, mm-hmm. it's a very social affair. Yep. Um, Woodcock, I found, you know, I thought, you know, we're gonna have to be quiet, which is, is fine,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, but it's, it's very... Very uh, self-paced, very casual. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we were just kind of walking along, talking, and the dogs went on point. They hold very well for dogs. Okay, it um, not They don't take a whole lot to, to bring them down.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and if you do flush them, um, as long as you can see kind of where they landed, you can work them back up again.
0: Huh. Okay, um,
1: so I, I like that. I don't know mm-hmm. uh, the uh, the habitat, the the landscape. Was a, is a little bit different, mm-hmm. um, but again, I, I I like the open space of, uh, per, you know, hunting prairie and mm-hmm. you know, just big open rolling grasslands and big hills. I like that as well as the open grasslands, desert grasslands of, mm-hmm. of chasing uh, desert scale quail in, mm-hmm. in southwest Kansas. But the woodcock has become my huh. my favorite bird. But I could.
0: <laughs> you could be persuaded. Switch it up again if I, yeah.
1: you know, get a chance to chase ptarmigan or rough grouse or mm-hmm. something else like
0: that. Man, and I found in my hunting journey, like, um, I'll hunt some for the first time and I'll love it. And then um, I'll be hard after for a while and then I'll do something else. And it's uh, – a lot of times people ask me what's my favorite thing to hunt and I'm like, man, I, I can't answer that. Yeah. You know, it's what's in season, you know.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I think you – I think you figured it out when you hunted with us that our group um, – uh, we're a tight-knit group. We are very opportunistic bird hunters. Yep. We, You know, we're there to chase pheasants and quail, but if snipe, flush, <laughs> by gosh, we turn into <laughs> snipe hunters. Yep. If ducks, we come up on a, on a pond and jump, you know, um, some um, some mallards or whatever, yeah. then we become duck hunters. Yeah. Uh, our group has always been like that. You know, they're... There are some people there are some people in our chapter that all they hunt is pheasants. You know, when pheasant, mm-hmm. when the regular upland season starts, to them it's pheasants. You know, they're yeah. working a the field and quail pop up or prey chickens and they don't they don't mess with them. And it's not mm-hmm. because or uh, sometimes you know people don't want to shoot quail because they think that there's smaller numbers and mm-hmm. to to help protect, you know, the the, the hatch. Uh, or those birds for that carry over next season. It's not that. It's just a, you know, they just they just want to shoot pheasants. We're not like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I've been to Wyoming hunting sage mm-hmm. grouse and doves fly over me, and I have shot doves in Wyoming. Yep. People have said, well, "Why would you go to Wyoming and and shoot doves?" Well, why not? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm here. Yeah. You know, um, I was hunting with Hutch a couple seasons ago, Open Day pheasant season. We we're in doves, and I changed out to number eight shot, and we're shooting doves, yeah. man. It's uh, it, it,
1: it, bird hunt yeah. keeps things um, lively and it's it's ever changing. Yep. You, know, you never know. Pretty much, you you should know what's going to flush, but you're always surprised. Or at least I am. Yep. You know, you may flush some chickens or some pheasants and quail and doves all in in in, in a field.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, and I like that. I I'm right there with Yeager. You, you know, it's um I talk to a lot of guys when I travel to hunt. You know. Like so whatever we're hunting may work out, you know, or it's not the right time or it's, the weather's bad. And I'm like, what else can we do? You know, I went to uh, South Carolina in August to early deer hunt, like hunt deer in velvet, right? That wasn't happening. It was like 80 degrees, 90 degrees, you know, super hot humidity. The deer weren't moving except at night. And so um the guy I was with, he's like, well, we can go down the river and catch some big catfish. And I was like, I'm in, man. <laughs> you know, like if we can go have some fun and do something, man, that's what I want to do. So. I agree. I like that mentality, man. So. Um, you don't own a dog, still?
1: I I do not. Uh, my retirement gift to myself is I'm getting a dog this year.
0: Okay, so that's and um, I remember your theory behind a dog. I think you told me this was it's better to borrow a friend's dog than to have to maintain owning your own dog. Well,
1: it, due to my profession mm-hmm. and the assignments that I was in, uh, it was just the timing was not conducive to owning a dog. Yep. Uh, I had dogs when we were growing up. We, uh, we had Brittany's in a lab. Um, but because of work mm-hmm. and, uh, as well as my, um, four years stay in the Marine Corps and deployment, mm-hmm. uh, it just timing wasn't right. Yep. Um, but I had a very good friend, uh, who had, uh, a Bishla mm-hmm. and, um, Staley, who just passed away like three weeks ago. Oh man. Um, um, was kind of like a surrogate dog. I was mm-hmm. a I was like a a step owner. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would go over. I I could go over there at, at any time, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, access the garage, and she would see me, and, and a lot of people. And I hunted with her all over the state. I took her out of state, just me and her. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people thought that she was my dog, yep. uh, because she would listen to me, and I could cast her out, and she you know she she retrieved birds for me. She crawled in the sleeping bag at hotels or in my tent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was very much like I had my own dog. But yeah. at the end of the day or at the end of the trip, mm-hmm. you know, she would go back to, to my buddy Dave. Mm-hmm. Um, but I grew very close and very fond of, of Staley. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, this year, um, uh, with my retirement, um, I'm going to get a dog now. I know what kind of dog I want to get. My wife has a little bit uh, different uh, view as the type of dog she wants. But uh, uh, I- I've been contacting, uh, and I've been contacted by some uh, different um, kennels. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we'll, we'll see.
0: That's just what What kind of, you want to talk about what dog you want yet? Or uh, I want to get a
1: draught, as you okay. know, because of the – the guys in the yep. group that we hunt, mm-hmm. Dan um, yep. has got Macy a drot, and, mm-hmm. and she had puppies.
0: Uh-huh. Um, yeah So um,
1: I've been hunting behind draughts or a wire-haired type of dog mm-hmm. for the last five years because Hutch had it, you know, had Angus. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I've I've grown to to appreciate the dogs are very versatile, waterfowl mm-hmm. and upland, and they're they have a good nose or good temperament. So yep. Um. I believe Dan's going to be breeding Macy again. Okay. Or, or Abby. And, uh, if, uh, if he does, um, I'll be getting one of those puppies.
0: There you go. So he's just going to do one dog or oh, like you Oh, just one dog. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, sure. That's good. Um, so walk-in hunting or reha Tell me about what walk-in hunting is in Kansas. So
1: walk-in hunting basically, um, is private land that has been opened up, um, by the landowner, by the landowner, for public access, um, they are paid um, a price uh, depending on the amount of acres that they enroll into the walk-in hunting area mm-hmm. program, the Weehaw program. Um, I, that's I wish I can go into detail. Uh, mm-hmm. I just don't cover that in our Pheasants Forever chapter. Okay, uh, that's Kyle. Uh, he's a little bit more knowledgeable mm-hmm. in specifics, but um, basically, that's what it is. It's private land opened up for mm-hmm. public access.
0: Well, and I think too, especially in Kansas, ninety-five like percent of the state is owned by private.
1: Ninety it's I believe uh, we are the second to the last state. Okay, I believe, I believe it's ninety-eight point one. Okay, something like okay, that. Okay, so it's it,
0: if we didn't have that, we wouldn't have any land hunt.
1: Kansas has four hundred thousand acres of public land, okay. which come in the form of WMAs, wildlife management areas. So think of Cheyenne Bottoms, mm-hmm. um, Hillsdale Lake, Clinton Lake, mm-hmm. Glen Elder, WMA, places of that sort. Um, Kansas also has federal refuge, um so, like the Flint Hills Refuge, mm-hmm. uh, Corvira National Wildlife Refuge. Mm-hmm. And we also have the only grasslands down in the southwest corner, yep. which is the Cimarron Grassland, which is 108,000 acres. So, we almost half a million acres of public land. Mm-hmm. The bad part is those things get hit hard, yep. for the most part, during all types of seasons, whether yep. it's deer, upland, waterfowl. Walk-in, um, the walk-in program allows more land to be opened up to mm-hmm. public use. There are some stipulations, you know, some rules behind certain areas, but for the most part, anyone, as long if you, can, if you have an Atlas or an app, mm-hmm. uh, or if you use Onyx, you can pull it up and, you know, find a spot relatively close, I think, to, yep. to wherever you live at.
0: Well, and I think uh, one thing I really like about it is, um, you know, when I'm turkey hunting, I was talking to my wife about this, like my dream place, it wouldn't be like a thousand acres altogether, right? I want a couple different places all kind of spread around a couple hundred acres or 50 acres. Because especially when you're turkey hunting, like you want to move around. If something's not happening in one piece, move to another. And that's one thing I really like about walk-in is generally in an area, you're going to have eight or 10 properties pretty pretty close together. That sometimes, are, yes, yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's bigger, sometimes less, but a lot of times it's small chunks, right? So you can move around, do some different stuff. You know, if there's a that's not good in one area, it's only a 50-acre spot and you move over to another spot. You know, and um, I know hunting with you, we've kicked up deer out of some of those, oh, yeah. um, quail. I mean, all sorts of stuff out of that stuff. Do you would you? Do you hunt more on walk-in stuff or the big grasslands and stuff? Walk-in. Walk-in. Okay, yeah. that's, that's your big... I
1: mean, I, I, you know, I, I duck hunt on public WMAs. Uh, I would say the majority of my up in bird hunting is on walk-in. Um, I'm heading to the Cimarron grasslands next week. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I would say that the majority is throughout the season. It's, you know, if we're going someplace, it's walking. Walking. If we happen to be driving by and, Oh, Hey, you know, it's, they were <laughs> 10 minutes from Corvera national wildlife refuge. Let's go there. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. that, that comes across our path. And then, yeah, we stop it, you know, Mm-hmm. we get good reports or we see birds and then we'll, yep. we'll, we'll, we'll stop but the majority it's walking.
0: in i remember when we hunted cheyenne bottoms you and hutch had this atlas man and like you'd spent years year after year kind of marking stuff and now we got onyx so it's kind of like and we got it all in digital form do you still have the paper atlas Use okay
1: uh, um, so i've carried over from when i started it every year i tr- transfer all the all the, de- all the data, all the information mm-hmm. that I, um, uh, that I get throughout the season and transferred over onto the, the, the new issue. Mm-hmm. And I do that every year. And it's, I think it's just, it's good to have, I like to feel the paper in my hands yep. and not everyone uses Onyx. Yep. Um, some of the guys in our group, you know, just don't use Onyx. They mm-hmm. just, you know, whether they prefer, they just use the Atlas, but, uh. Um, I've noticed, you know, Onyx does have, provide, it's a game changer for me. I yeah. started using it a year ago, mm-hmm. and I love it. So I use both in conjunction with each mm-hmm. other. Okay. Uh, but I still write, you know, uh, the, the type of birds we flush. Um, you know, I'll write in the type of uh, habitat, whether it's, you know, CRP or... Or, you know, if it's a tree line or, you know, Milo or Corn, I, I have my codes and different mm-hmm. symbols and shapes mean different things. So I could look at it real quickly and mm-hmm. I can tell you, you know, that's private or that's public or maybe it's not enrolled into it this year. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I've uh, uh, i am really um, been really I think I've done a pretty good job of just maintaining Accurate, Pretty good records for yeah. my part. And I, and I think it's a good idea for any hunter to do that.
0: Mm-hmm. I was really impressed when I saw that. Um, uh, just the meticulous level that you take it to. And I think that's uh, – but a lot of that, that's how you are successful or have some of those experiences because you can carry that along, be real detailed about it. And then next year or years in the future, you can use that information pretty pretty well. So yeah. uh, th- that's definitely cool. So Honeybird's out of state. So you – you hunt in Kansas a lot or Missouri a lot?
1: Um, uh, the majority, of, you know, throughout the season, it's Kansas. Okay. And then we'll make plans mm-hmm. or sometimes they just happen haphazardly. They come up. Um, but I, we've gone to Wyoming to hunt for mm-hmm. sage grouse. I've hunted Nebraska, Missouri, Arizona. I'm going back to Arizona here in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we, if we can, if we can work it out, you know, we'll travel. We had plans to go to Oklahoma last year, but that kind of fell through. Mm-hmm. Um, just a week ago, um, uh, we were talking about going to Minnesota for a rough crowd. So mm-hmm. uh, North Dakota has been thrown around. So I, I think this this upcoming season, I think uh, I think you'll you'll find us, or I think you'll find our group uh, in either Minnesota or North Dakota, as yeah, well yeah. as maybe just you know. Returning back to Wyoming.
0: Mm-hmm, yep. I'm looking at North Dakota for next season. Um I I've hunted pheasants quite a bit in South Dakota and one of the places I hunt in South Dakota is on the North Dakota border. So um it's I've always kicked the idea of around of you know getting a license for both states, you know, and and i am already there, you right. know. But um I kinda wanna hunt on the western side of North Dakota a little bit. So
1: we, the reason we, we want to go to the West because of the diversity in the birds. Yep. We, you know, pheasants are always good. But again, uh, you know, chasing a pheasant in Iowa mm-hmm. is still cool, you know, because you're in another state, because you yep. could be hunting a different habitat, different landscape. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to get into some sharp tails. Yep, you know, chickens, maybe some huns. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's that's always exciting.
0: Yeah, I shot my first sharp tail on the western side of South Dakota, out near Rapid City, and oh, okay. um, uh, me and a couple buddies were all hunting pheasants, and um, these birds kept flushing, they kept yelling hen. But they would fly differently than hens would. Yeah. And the short, flat, flat. Bob, yep, yeah. Yep. It's, and so. It's similar to chickens. Exactly. I never yeah. had any
1: sharp tails, but I've done enough reading and research mm-hmm. that I, well, I came across some sharpies, plus they're lighter, wider yep. coating. And,
0: and they just fly different. And like, I noticed they're flying different, but it's kind of one of those things that, like, it kind of clicked in my head. I'm like, yeah, it's a brown, about, you know, hen sized bird, right? Yeah. And the guy sitting next to me was a guy. He goes, those are sharpies. And uh, so both me and my buddy heard them. I'm like, wait, what? I'm like I can shoot pheasants anywhere. I'm like I want to kill one of those grouse. And yeah. so by the end of it, uh, we both shot our sharp tail grouse. And um, man, it was uh, it. It's kind of like you talked about, man. Um, some of that diversity, some of the stuff you don't see here in Kansas or in the Midwest. Um, Getting to chase that stuff. So okay, so we'll get back to the episode in just a second. But I want to talk um, briefly about my sponsor, Walton Zinc. Um, like I said earlier in the at the beginning of the episode, they make a lot of cool stuff make a lot of great stuff, everything but the meat. Um, They sell seasonings, cures, um, equipment, grinders, sous vide, you know, a lot of crazy stuff, Um, dehydrators, slicers, everything. And what I love about Walton's is it's all quality equipment. So, I can send my friends there and they buy good stuff and I know it's going to work. I know there's not going to be a problem with it. And um, I personally know I can take the stuff on trips with me. I can cook with it. I can do everything with it and I'm not going to have issues. And that's, that's a big deal to me. You know, if I'm going to buy a grinder or buy, you know, a slicer gonna make sure it works and all Walton stuff is great. Also, um, you know, you guys know I love to cook obviously, and they kind of take a lot of the the hassle or the tough part out of um, spice mixes. They make a ton of spice mixes from you know jerky seasonings to, like I said, cures. You guys know how much I love hams. Um, they make a lot of good options, you know, baking cures. They make spice mixes for fajitas, everything. And what I love about it is you can just pop open that package, throw it in with the meat or whatever you're cooking, and you're good to go. Make sure you check out Walton's Inc. at waltonsinc.com. They're also on Facebook, Instagram, Walton's Inc. Make sure you check them out. Okay, let's get back to it.
1: Yeah, uh, well, you know, I I agree with you, but I kind of don't. Okay. Because Kansas is known for what? Pheasants. Pheasants and quail. Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. Chickens, I mean, if you're a knowledgeable, avid up in food hunter, someone will throw in prairie chickens. But, like I said and mentioned earlier, um, not a lot of people know about scale quail in southwest Kansas. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that they existed Twenty years ago, I read an article and I researched it for a year, and I put together a ragtag. I convinced them saying, "Hey, this is not a mythical bird. <laughs> there are some down there." I called uh, the game board, and we went down there, and I was the only one that shot one. But by gosh, we are down there, and I've returned a couple of times. Mm-hmm. You know, they're hard to hunt. Yeah. So you've got you know you've got pheasants, you got bobwhite, you got perching, you've got scale quail canvas. Mm-hmm. you've got snipe, as you know, in yep. giant bottoms, and not mm-hmm. a lot of people. Uh, think about that yep. uh, as far as uh, destination place as Kansas to go to go hunt snipe, and you saw in Cheyenne, yep. there were hundreds of
0: them. Uh, it was insane. Uh, hundreds. Yep. I mean, we ran out of ammo. Yep. <laughs>
1: and the last year, I have uh, I've heard stories. I haven't hunted them yet this year, but I keep on running into people saying, if you time it right, you know where to go, which mm-hmm. I do. There is a good flight of woodcock in Kansas. So, so I've heard that. That's wood, I mean, there was that's another bird. So that's, that's true. So it, 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 there was a. I'm real, I'm a big proponent on no matter where you live, whatever state, mm-hmm. dig into, you know, get 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 open up the website, Google, mm-hmm. talk to other people, and, and I think you'll find that your state offers a lot more opportunities than you, what you really think.
0: You know, I'd agree with you, Edgar, and I, you know, I apologize about that. You've kind of challenged me now <laughs> to hunt my own state more, but, um, it, it's true. And it's funny because you mentioned the stuff. I I have a, another friend, you John Francis. He talks about, you know, uh, Woodcock coming through, uh, here in Kansas. And like I so said, you don't, you don't think about Kansas as a Woodcock state.
1: You don't, you don't.
0: Nope. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at going up to the Northwoods in Michigan next year to hunt woodcock. Because that's what and you I, think and about.
1: And I do too. And you know, I, that's what I, that's, I think that's what everyone envisions. Mm-hmm. But when I got the invite to go to Missouri, mm-hmm. I never would have guessed in a thousand years that I would go down to Missouri mm-hmm. and on public land and shoot a limit of woodcock and move 40 birds in less than four hours. Huh. Those numbers, you would think that you would have to go to Minnesota. Now, I would love to go to Minnesota yeah. and Wisconsin and Michigan to go hunt woodcock, too. Because mm-hmm. I think to experience the big north woods. Yeah. You know, different landscape, different, you know, like you say, tuna pheasant in Iowa and Kansas. A little a little bit different, different landscape. Yeah. Um, but now that I know that there's woodcock in Missouri – I've been doing it now
0: for two years. Well, and it's a lot easier to take a road trip over to Missouri, you know, being from here in Kansas exactly. City, than is to go way up, you know, to Michigan yeah. and you get close resources. It's very affordable. Yeah. Well, and, and I tell guys a lot because you know I travel quite a bit to hunt and um, what I tell guys is like, uh, there's ways to do it on a budget, Right. Uh, you know, like my grand, my grandparents are live in Alabama or from Alabama family down there. I, I hunt down there quite a bit, but it's, you know, I've s- slept on the floor of my brother's guest room cause he didn't have extra bed, you know, like, and that was, that saved me a hotel, you know, for yeah. those nights. And, um, if you can find some of that stuff that's close to you or look in the neighboring States around you, I'm a big fan of, you know, cause I've talked to a lot of guys that are in the Southeast and they, I want to go hunt elk, but I can't go all the way to Colorado. And it's like, well, there's elk in Kentucky, Tennessee, you know, yeah. um, if you're in that area you want to try to find something different, you can find it, man. And it's funny you mentioned scale quail because I've always seen that on the Atlas, but I didn't realize they're in western Kansas. Yep. So that's that's yeah, why
1: i I mean they've been there forever. I mean they it's an established they have an they they are established in Southwest. Mm. Now it's dependent on rainfall, yeah. Habitat and all that um, you know, the numbers go up and down, even more so than Bob White quail.
0: mm Okay. Uh,
1: but they are they're there. Um you, you can actually shoot bobwhite quail, scale quail, pheasant. And, and when I first went, we hunted lesser prairie chicken. So you could shoot four bull- birds huh. down there in the grasslands. Um, so, yeah, those opportunities there, you just got to do, you got to do research. And I that's the part I like doing. You know, what I found out about the woodcock, um, you know, I started asking around and, you know, I mean if you look at the Kansas Atlas, there is an open woodcock season. Well that, that that's there for a reason because yeah. I mean you're not gonna see droves and flights of, you know, timberdoodles, mm-hmm. you know, flying, you know, you're gonna be busting up, you know, as you're walking, but you know, hey, that's pretty cool. I shot a woodcock while I'm quail hunting. Yeah. So just
0: Well, I've talked to um Todd Freeman, you know, and he said at one point he shot a turkey. A pheasant and a quail, I think, in the same trip um, over his dogs. I don't think it was the same day, but it was on the same trip, and it's kind of the you know the same thing where again, see that diversity in your home state. I think is really cool.
1: Yeah. And like I said, I think Kansas, I think it's it's known for a pheasant quail, but I, I I tell people don't overlook other opportunities. Mm. Yeah. You know, um, and I, I think that goes along. You know, Missouri is probably known for. You know, waterfowl and and deer and turkey. Yep. But you know, uh, there are certain areas in Missouri. Um, there's a lot of quail. You mm-hmm. know. Yep. In the south, there's not as much, but yep. there are good huntable populations yep. up in the northwest. Pheasants. You know, I've gone up to northwest Missouri, and maybe you're not going to limit out, but you know, there there is the chance and the opportunity to bag a rooster or two up there.
0: Yep. Well, I think to stretching yourself and going to a different, a little bit different place, like a home. I kind of consider Missouri like a home state, just because we're here in Kansas City. You know, we straddle the state line, but um, stretch myself by going a couple hours, you know, east of here and hunting some in a different area. I think I learn a lot in a different environment um, that you can take anywhere, right? right. I so, agree. Uh, I think that's really valuable. So, um, like we mentioned at the beginning, you're you're an outdoor writer, so you write. Uh, you written how many articles you've written?
1: Ballpark. Um, It's a lot, maybe a hundred. Yeah.
0: Okay. And and you you say you kind of been riding for about two and a half years. You'd say, yeah, two and a half years. Gotcha. So uh, one article you wrote that I thought was really interesting, always stuck in my head, was a pheasant call article. Yes. Did you you remember that? I I do. Give me the rundown of that article there.
1: Uh, So it's so it started out a a lot of my to back up a little bit a lot of a lot of the writing that I do the majority of it is based on what was passed down to me from my father okay. almost almost everything mm-hmm. and i i i hope i never come across that this is going to work yeah you know, sometimes things work for some people sometimes you know they don't yeah um so a lot of that has been passed down to me so when my dad and i were hunting we talked about it um about a pheasant call and i don't recall if he had read something or if he knew someone that used one I went and bought one Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't remember where I purchased one I still have it It, it, it's actually a very nice wooden call and I've seen some plastic ones but this one it it really elicits the sound of a of a uh, flushing and cackling rooster and so I would take it and wear it and you know I, I've used it a couple of times. I've uh, I've called. I don't want to say I got a response because of the call, or mm-hmm. they were just responding anyway. But I try. I always try to find some something unique to write about. Yeah, and uh, I had the pheasant call, and so I did a little bit of more research mm-hmm. on it, and found that uh, it's actually it was actually more popular back in the day, meaning. 50s, 60s, 70s. Okay. Um, as opposed to, you know, now, I, I think, you know, I talk to people that said, I've never heard of that. Yeah. You know? So um, I, I don't know. I don't want to say it's a lost art, but, you know, mm-hmm. it's just something that's kind of gone down by the wayside. Yeah. Uh, but I did get a lot of uh, response and a lot of comments mm-hmm. saying, oh, yeah, my my dad had a call. Or I remember when I was growing up, my neighbor or my mm-hmm. uncle or friend friend uh, had a call. And they worked. Yep. So,
0: so what's the, pro- what do you use it for? How do you, how do you interact with the birds? With
1: it? A locator call okay. early morning or late in the evening
0: when they're, that's the when only they're time that
1: I, you know, early morning you'll hear them, you know, uh, crowing mm-hmm. and um or late in the evening when, you know, that's what typically when you hear them. And I have heard some during the middle of the day, but I think 99% of the time it's, it's either in the morning or late yep. in the evening and it's just okay hey there's there could be some roosters in the in the field there and then you know call gets put aside and you go after and chase them chasing mm-hmm. it's it's not like a duck where you call and then they come, come running, running, running in yeah. you. <laughs> i did hear that there that has happened before mm-hmm. um and i don't know you know quail yeah um um bobwhite whistle uh, calls are used to locate Cubbies and singles. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, I mean, I've used them on occasion, but uh, when I hunted Gamble's quail last year for the first time, they are very vocal. Mm -hmm. And so Hutch and I used calls uh, to locate. And I've heard that they, you know, sometimes they come running in. So there are some applications for uh, upland bird calls. But as far as the pheasant call, it's it's just a
0: locator call Mm -hmm. uh,
1: for the morning and evening time.
0: Gotcha. Well, like I said, I think probably the same reason that you got a lot of response from that. When I read it, I I'd never heard of a peasant call. Never even, it never even crossed my mind that'd be something you'd use. You know, and,
1: and, so, and I wrote it in a in a humorous fashion. Yeah, That, was, uh, yeah. that you know, hey, this is what I did. It yep. may not work, but it's another tool on your on your belt another, you know, something you can throw in your bag of tricks.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. That's good. And so another article you wrote more recently was the single shot shotgun article. Yes. Tell me about that.
1: Um, so, uh, I I was, uh, I was at work. I I got, I got hurt. I broke my leg and ankle last year, Mm -hmm. exactly a year ago. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, I went to desk duty at work and, um, I had a bunch of the guys, some of the, uh, guys, some fellow officers, uh, you know, coming by talking to me and as always, normally it kind of revolved around hunting. Well, yeah. uh, someone mentioned single shots and then I kind of disregarded it. Five other, four or five other people started talking about single shots. And, uh, I found a, a, a trend, um, that all these guys, um, started out hunting with a single shot. Yep. I did not start out with a single shot. I started out with the twenty gauge because my dad started out like a twenty. You know, like I said earlier, mm-hmm. I followed a lot of my what my step what my dad does or mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. I did. I followed in his footsteps. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought, and I would heard you know other people. Oh, I started out with a single shot, but I, I just found it very uh, very intriguing. Mm-hmm. So I kind of interviewed them, and they had some pretty cool stories. Uh, on how they started how they got the shotguns one mm-hmm. of one of my buddies uh, um, they actually traded one of their uh, hunting dogs for a single shot shotgun <laughs> you know stuff like that another yeah. buddy of mine uh, uh, traded uh, I'm trying to remember uh, it was like they traded something for a single shot shotgun but they also got like a jar full of shells so <laughs> was, you know some colorful yeah. stories yeah and uh, so I wrote about you know hey you know uh you don't hear a whole lot of people uh, using single shots now, you know, I think kids being brought up into hunting, Mm -hmm. you know, what do they want? Everything. They want it now. They want, they want the fast, the slick, the new, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people want to start out with semis, throwing pumps, but you don't see the single shot in there anymore. And I kind of thought about it. I was like, you know, that's, I think that's it would be a good article. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe bring back some memories uh, for those that started out, as well as maybe providing someone else. Hey, here's an option of maybe starting out with a single shot mm-hmm. and applying those basic hunter safety rules. Yep, how to carry a gun. It's very simple, um, and so that's kind of got the end. I bought my first single shot last week. <laughs> there you go. Um, okay. So I, after I wrote that article, I said I'm going to buy a single
0: shot. Yeah. And so I, I bought one last week. Well, that's cool, man. Well, my my first shotgun was a bolt action, bolt action twenty gauge. So not not as uh, not as rudimentary as a single shot, but close, man. Similar. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You can't work that bolt very fast. <laughs> yeah. So.
1: Um, I, I bought a uh, Webley and Scott made in England single okay. shot with hard. Uh, uh, with uh case hardening mm-hmm. uh it, it, i believe it's a 1966 it's in very good shape mm-hmm. um and i shot it a couple of days ago not okay. at a bird i just i wanted to shoot it mm-hmm. i on uh, bird hunting uh it's very light i thought it was going to be heavy yeah uh, no. i know it was going to kick but it, it, it didn't it, kick really not very hard it's a 12 okay. gauge okay and um uh, uh, I'll let you know tomorrow afternoon if I text you if I shoot a prairie chicken with it. So you I, guys
0: send me a picture, man. I'd like I'm that.
1: Gonna, I'm gonna. Hopefully, I get into some chickens. I think I will because I know where they're at. Um, but I, hopefully, I, I get an opportunity to to take one down with this single shot. I think that'd be so cool,
0: man. That 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 does sound cool, man. So I'm. Uh, I, I was talking to a buddy of mine a couple weeks ago, but. Um, I love like kind of stories like that or nostalgia kind of thing. And, um, my grandparents have some land in Mississippi is, actually my grandmother's, her parents' homesteaded it and they don't live there anymore. Um, but I inherited a shotgun from her uncle and he, he was born there and I'm going down there this spring to hunt a turkey. So I'm going to take that shotgun and try to kill a turkey with it. So, so I, I love that.
1: I, I, I do love too, this, man. the story, the, the, tr- the family tradition, yep. um, you know, just being passed on. Uh, yeah. I think when you and I met, I wasn't carrying the Ruger, the Red, what I referred to the Red. I had just got it that December. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I was carrying my other over under. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the the shotgun I use now, um, predominantly, is the Ruger Red Label that my dad initially bought his first over under mm. that he bought in the mid nineties. Uh-huh. So it's twenty five years old. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I would love a Franke. You know, mm-hmm. um, I'm an over under guy. Yep. I like wood. Yep. Um, but I, I can't bring myself to buy one because my dad's still alive. He doesn't uh, get as much mm-hmm. uh, because he's a little bit older, his knees, but there's just something about me carrying the red Yeah, with me in the field. He's kind of with me. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I don't know. It also has to do with he first bought it. He wouldn't let me touch it. He wouldn't let me carry it. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't let me hold it. <laughs>
0: um, and now you're old enough you can. <laughs> well,
1: it was always uh, it was an insight. You know, he always said that I wasn't ready for an over or under, even though I, I outshot him.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: when I came back from my first deployment, you know, I, I've always been a very good shot uh-huh. um, because of work uh, in the units and stuff that mm-hmm. I was uh, assigned to. Um, but he just, you know, it was just, you know, no, you're not good enough until, <laughs> you know, six, six years ago, I think six years ago, he gave it to me for Christmas and he said, here you go. And that was, I mean, I, I held it, you know, to clean it, but yeah. as far as out in the field, Hey, look, can I hold it? He would never let me do it.
0: That's wild. And I mean,
1: people thought it was funny. I
0: <laughs> that's funny. Um,
1: but uh, now that I have it, uh-huh. I don't want to put it in the gun cabinet no. and let it sit there I'll use it until I can't use it mm-hmm. any, uh, any longer. So that's cool. I, you know, it, it's sentimental.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, so. yeah. Uh, that's really cool. So, um, you have a lot of gear. You're, you're a gear guy like me. I yeah. I which I, I really respect. Um, and so, you, like I said, the space of yours upland hunting, uh, you do quite a bit of it. And so, um, what's your favorite? If you could just pick one favorite piece of gear that you have.
1: Right now,
0: yeah. And it can't be the rigor red label, man. There's got to be something else.
1: It have to be my bird vest.
0: Okay, what, what's your bird vest? I best?
1: just went. well, I just I, I I've had it for a year, but I just started using it this season. Okay, it's my hunt ready vest. Okay, and I I'm not trying to plug hunt ready. It's, Do it, man. Um, for five years, six years, I wore the yellow bean technical vest. Mm-hmm. I wore that when, yep. when when you and I met. Um, I, I kind of went away from the traditional vest, mm-hmm. bird vest. Uh, yep.
0: Um Like the Filson, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the, 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 the wax the, cotton and stuff.
1: Um, well, yeah, but just the style, you know, the vest. Um, okay. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. I had been wanting a strap vest mm-hmm. for a long time, and then at, around that time, I think L.L. L. Bean. Maybe they weren't the the forerunners of the technical vests, but Mm -hmm. that's when those technical style vests started coming under the scene. You know, Filson kind of came out with their own um, bird and light. You Mm -hmm. know, you had your various compartments. Um, So as the years progressed, you know, more and more companies started popping up. Um, uh, I had a chance to use a, a, a hunt ready, and I like it. I like mm-hmm. it a lot. It's very versatile. It's modular. Mm-hmm. I could uh, customize it to how I want it. It's very specific uh-huh. to myself. Uh, you can attach a whole bunch of things to it. I'm not one of those guys. Even on my tactical vest for work uh-huh. in, in the Marines, I wouldn't. You know, I didn't. I didn't get something and then strap it on. I don't. I don't like that. Yep. Um, my my hunting ready vest is very basic. Mm-hmm. Two pouches. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's very versatile. Uh, it holds a lot of birds. Mm-hmm. I can put in my uh, my emergency kit. I can carry what I want. I can carry water. That was a big thing. Is, mm-hmm. is for longer hunts, Wyoming, big big uh, big trekking yep. um, uh, bird hunts. I'm able to, to carry the gear I want, um, and uh, working with uh, Heath over at Hunt Ready, I had mm-hmm. some ideas to that I would like to see him best. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, he kind of took my, my opinions and kind of put them Mm -hmm. um, on the, on the board uh, for later uh, models. And uh, so the, the one that I got came with the, the add-ons that I that I would like to see. And oh okay. they're very they're very simple. Mm-hmm. Uh but you know as a bird I was like, man, I wish I had yep. something to, you know, put my gloves in and uh instead of stashing them here. And so uh he, he agreed with me and uh, so we've been working on that. And I and I, I really like uh and it, it's it's very well made. It's American made. Mm-hmm. Uh and and it's I look at it as like kind of like an heirloom. Yeah. You know, that I could tell it's very well made. I'm gonna have it 20 years from now, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Uh, maybe I'll pass it down to my, my grandchildren or Mm -hmm. my, you know, my son-in-laws or something like that. Um, but I would say, yeah, my, my. Your hunt ready vest. Okay.
0: Well, and like you mentioned, um, in my mind, there's kind of three styles of vest right now. There's, like, the old-school Filson, like, strap vests, which is, like, uh, the wax cotton, like, dark color stuff. And it's very, like, buckles and pouches. Like, it reminds me of, like, Southwest Georgia quail hunting, right? That that kind That's of idea. Kind of mm. And then, like, you talk about the vest vest. Like, it looks like a vest. It's almost Correct. like a shirt with no sleeves. And I hate those vests. I have two or three of them, but it's just like it um, – Well, I mean,
1: I think they had – I mean, there's people that still wear them. I, I absolutely, I don't want to
0: each run. I think um, –
1: As new models, new ideas Mm -hmm. um, were brought forth, people said, "Man, I I didn't like wearing this because it was hot or cumbersome." Yeah, you know now now we have so many options out there. You know, there's a lot of good companies. Final Mm -hmm. Rise, I mean that uh, I've never held one in my hands, but uh, it looks like it's very well made. Um, Yeah, got Hunt Ready. You've got. um, Oh goodness! Um.
0: Well, I and so that kind of transition into the third type, which is like the technical hunting vest, right? right? And and I think the best way to describe this, if people haven't seen it, is it's um, it's modern, right? You know, it's it's the same ideas of what of what a upland vest should be. It has bird pouch in the back, pouches for your shells and things, but it's it's built with modern ideas in mind. Like you guys are going to run um, remote controls for the dogs, right? So a place to put that, right. place to put water bottles. Um, Place for it's yourself. Pers-
1: it's, it can be very personalized. Yep. Very easily, mm-hmm. very modular. And you can use other companies uh, add-ons mm-hmm. to quickly and easily attach to the vest. Yep. I, I believe most um most of the new technical mm-hmm. Chief Upland, I think, is the other yep. one that looks very that use that modular or that mm-hmm. you know, Molly type of yep. system. Uh, so if you already have you know a Molly pouch for mm-hmm. whatever hey,
0: backpack or whatever you can throw yeah. on there and when i i have the orvis pro best which i think it's going on three, three or four years old gray best it's bomb proof but it's, it's not as customizable you know some of the new stuff and i've been i've been looking at the hunt ready stuff a lot man so
1: like i said uh you know let me know i, like I said i've got um uh they came out with the with the traditional tan orange and then i I threw my two cents in saying, Hey, I think, I think you need to do like a tan and green mm-hmm. and, uh, it looks, I, uh, it looks really good, but yeah, let me know. And uh, I, we'll, we'll bring talk it over and uh, check it out. But uh, like I said, there's other, there's a bunch of mm-hmm. other companies out there that,
0: um, so should I call Hunt Right and say, I want the Edgar vest. Is that, are uh, we calling it that well, yet? Or? No. <laughs> no,
1: but it, it's a good, they have a good platform yeah. to build on. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah. I, I saw there, um, I'm not sure who I, was it was. I talked about the PF meeting, um, Last year, at the Joe Copiaf meeting, they had uh, one of the guys was there, and yeah, I was, I was <laughs> okay. I was really impressed with the construction of that, and I mean it. it you know, all the gear I have, I, I abuse it, man. I just use it really, really hard, and so I'm always looking at like, what's the stitching, what's the seams looking like, because I'm like that's the first things that blow out on yeah. most vests, and that's one thing. One reason I haven't left my Orvis is because I haven't broken it. You know, it's like no signs of wear. Yeah, but like,
1: you know, like I said, the um, the yellow beam that I had before. I liked it. There are some things, there were some issues that I did not like about it. Mm-hmm. You know, the 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 ammo pouches were small mm-hmm. and I had um I usually filled them to the brim and they kept on falling out. And yep. then um um you know the the water bottles, uh, mm-hmm. they would um b- you know, they would uh, fall out and I climbed over a fence mm-hmm. and you know, hunt right in and at the same time, like I said, the Final Rise, all these vests were coming out with, mm-hmm. you know, people that were saying, man, I, I would assume they were probably experiencing the same pitfalls yep. and problems and said, hey, we can fix this. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just, you know, it was just timing for me was Hunt Ready yep. came um, came up and uh, I was able to, you know, get my hands on one yep. and,
0: and try it out and and I, and I like it. Man, well, I'm going to take a look at yours and, uh, cause like I said, I'm on the brink of, of doing it. I like the Hunt Ready stuff. So um so kind of switch gears here. You've taken a lot of people out hunting for the first time or new hunters kind of get them in. Uh, I, I have. And so what are your thoughts on mentoring?
1: <laughs> well, the reason I do it is because my dad, because Tom, our neighbor, mm-hmm. then introduced my dad. Uh-huh. And my dad always spoke about that. So he kind of instilled in me, ever since we started, my dad and I started hunting, we... We always invited other hunters or new people, whether yeah. they were deer hunters, hey, do you want to try your luck at upland bird hunting, or if they were waterfowl, or they never hunted before. So we always did that. Mm-hmm. And I've always continued that tra- tradition. Um, I never thought about it as mentoring, not up until maybe the last two years, just yeah. because that word-
0: Is being used um, so is, much.
1: Is yeah. and thrown around. Mm-hmm. Um, But, uh, you know, I would come across buddies at work or just, you know, strangers now Mm -hmm. are now reaching out saying, you know, I I wanted to bird hunt or I I deer hunt, but I want to get into bird hunting. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's a great opportunity to to show them, you know, the upland community, the upland Mm -hmm. world.
0: Um,
1: And uh, uh, I've made a lot of new friends you know you and I met you know mm-hmm. kind of met you know yep. kind of you know we re-in- reinvited you into yeah. our group mm-hmm. and uh since then I mean um there's a couple guys that got several that I've now become very like very close mm-hmm. They've now kind of they have uh, been included into our group mm-hmm. um guys like uh JB and and Aaron mm-hmm. that yep. we both know yep. uh and um my buddy Ian Burrow mm-hmm. yep. um I, I, he was a hunter before, but uh, not an upland bird hunter. Yep. Um. So you know, I, you know, a lot of it was social media base. Hey, mm-hmm. you know, I'm in Kansas. Uh, you know, let's meet for lunch or mm-hmm. dinner, and then, um, you know, I always open, you know, made it clear that I had a an open door. You know, hey, if you want to go out and hunt, yeah, uh, let, let's go. You mm-hmm. know, and you know, it was never really like an educational. You know, just. You know, I would teach them, you know, yeah. hey, this is what quail like to hang out in, or this mm-hmm. is what pheasants, you know, you may find pheasants in this kind of habitat. And and um, all, all those people have yeah. uh, become very avid bird hunters, especially um, my newest buddy, uh, JB. You know, yeah. He, he's an onset hunter, mm-hmm. retired lieutenant colonel. He was a fly fisherman, and uh, he sent me an email, and we met. And you know he's. I was there when he shot his first pheasant, first duck, <laughs> and I love it. Yeah, you know, that's I, awesome. I man. think you would agree. In our group, uh, we were really good about as we're hunting. You know, if someone tried a bird.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, we would we would. Hey, you go over there. Um,
0: um, you you want everyone to have a good time, and she yeah, and birds, our group you know? is
1: very good at doing that.
0: Oh yeah. Yep.
1: um you know hey i i'll stand back and watch mm-hmm. and uh, take photos uh and i i'll i'll I, I like seeing the smile on someone else's face after they shoot a bird and yeah. i you know i i've heard myself screaming and hollering at at their at their accomplishment as well yeah. as you know agonizing on the misses mm-hmm. you know I, I, you know i think i think i think we should all do that yeah. as good stewards um mm-hmm. as far as the outdoors in general. So.
0: Yeah. Well, that's one thing I really respect about you Edgar is because um, if, if you listen to this, if they're mentoring someone, it's, it's a great thing. Everybody should do it. But I think if you've never done it, it's, it's tough or it can be difficult. Um, it can, if dep- I, 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 depending yeah.
1: on what, especially for the new person, what they, what they have, what they are envisioning is, you know, a successful hunt, yep. you know, because we, everyone measures success differently. Differently. Yeah. Yeah. You know, me, I could walk all day long mm-hmm. by myself or with you or with my friends and not see a bird.
0: hmm
1: i still go, be happy. I'd go home and my wife would say, do you have a good hunt? I would say yes. Yep. Other people may, may not see the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, so I try to, explain to that to people. Mm-hmm. And usually you can usually kind of tell, you know, it, once they experience the flush, yep. you know, you got to say, you know, th- this is not always the same. <laughs> yeah. You know, you may not, yeah, you may not uh, come across, you may not find birds. Or mm-hmm. if you do, you may miss yep. a lot.
0: Yep. Um, or maybe all hens. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, um, you know, um, not to throw uh, Aaron under the bus, yeah. but, uh, you know, we met the same way mm-hmm. and he it's been, I think two years since we, uh, Aaron and I met and he's yet, to, um, kill his first bird. Yep. And, you know, um, but again, and I hope he keeps at it. Yeah. I know he, he will mm-hmm. because we talk, we talk daily. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, sometimes, you know, people's family schedules, yep. personal lives, work gets in the way. And yep. I think, uh, if you have someone that you can share it with and someone that could take you out there to show you the ropes, I think that's the important thing. Well,
0: that was a really good episode with Edgar. Um, we had a great evening sitting down. This is just part one of two parts, like I said. So, um, I hope you enjoyed it, and and Edgar has a ton of knowledge to share. And the next episode, we get a lot more in depth about tactics and gear that he likes. So, um, this one was just kind of introduced everybody to Edgar, and I was really blessed to have him on the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you check out um, Edgar's Instagram, Huntsbirds on instagram and i'll put that in the show notes and also if you enjoyed the episode please share it with your friends and family we're going to be having a lot of cool things coming up in the next couple weeks and months as we start my turkey tour going down to the southeast all the way out to colorado and south dakota so make sure you listen in i'm going to be talking with a lot of cool people um, really knowledgeable people and so i think it'll be really valuable for you to listen to make sure you check us out on facebook hunt fish eat podcast on instagram hunt fish eat podcast and anywhere else um, you guys find us out. So Patreon, also if you want to be a Patreon patron, um, you get a lot of cool stuff with me. You can jump on at different sponsorship levels. And um, if you want to go hunt with me in South Dakota or maybe down in Mississippi hunting turkeys, there's opportunities to do that. Just go to patreon.com slash eat. Hope you enjoyed the episode and we'll talk to you later.